seconds left. Hardy with six. Hardy on Brown. Hardy with three. With two. Hardy reverse slam is gone. 1.2 left. St. John's 12 with 14 from the field in this second half. Hans again. Also in the ball game. Champagne, you're kidding me! Another three for Julian Champagne. You are now listening to the Eye of the Storm podcast. What's going on, Johnny Nation? Welcome to episode 28 of the Eye of the Storm podcast. My name is David Barov, and I have some questions for you tonight. Are you mad? Are you pissed off? Are you losing a little bit of hope? Last night wasn't fun, was it? St. John's fans, you have the right right now to be a little bit ticked off, a little bit more than pissed off, a little bit uneasy, and I certainly can't blame you. We're going to use this as a therapy session. We're going to use this and talk this out, but my goodness, if you were like me and you were sitting in that arena last night watching St. John's lose to Xavier 84 to 79, you're pissed off today. I do not blame any single person who is upset right now with St. John's University basketball. You're 11 and 3. You are 1 and 2 in the conference. But my goodness, these last two losses, the first to Villanova and now to Xavier, you are not feeling that great after a 10 and 1 non-conference record, after going to Florida and beating Florida State, after winning the Empire Classic and beating Temple and Syracuse, after beating Nebraska, after handling business in your non-conference schedule. You are not feeling good right now and you shouldn't. St. John's was on display Wednesday night for the entire world to see. In a Fox All-Access style broadcast where coaches Sean Miller of Xavier and Mike Anderson for St. John's were mic'd up, their huddles were televised, their halftime speeches were broadcasted, one team looked like a top 25 team in the country and deserving of its ranking, and one showed it's got a hell of a long way to go to be in that conversation. The final score may have only read as a five-point loss, which if you take at face value, isn't bad when playing a ranked opponent. Unfortunately, As was the case when St. John's lost to Iowa State, the final score did not even remotely begin to describe the actuality of what happened in the game. St. John's in its three biggest tests of this season to date at Iowa State, at Villanova, and home against Xavier have played so poorly for large stretches of a time, they have dug themselves double-digit holes that they are never able to get out of. And when you start to get that glimmer of hope that there is a potential for a comeback, it's there, you can reach it, that fleeting feeling just vanishes because you, yourself, were too far behind too quickly. You never had a chance against Iowa State. It looked like you never got off the plane. Against Villanova, you blow an 11-point lead and you never recover from Villanova's run that ends the first half. And on Wednesday night against Xavier, With the entire country watching you at 9 o'clock with your coaches mic'd up, you allowed them to go on a 16-0 run in the first half, go up by as many as 18 points in the second half, and there was no chance for that comeback even when you got it back down to single digits late in the second half. You can't keep doing this. You can't continue to put yourself behind the eight ball the moment the game starts. St. John's and Xavier traded punches to start the game. There was good pace. St. John's even had a lead at one point. It was 12 to 11. And then a 16 to nothing run happened by Xavier. 16 to zero. Thanks to poor shot selection, the inability to get rebounds, 
which would become a theme throughout the game. And you, as a fan, who are hoping that St. John's at home can hold serve and get a potential big win against Xavier, a ranked opponent, number 22 in the country, you are left to be screaming, pulling your hair out, taking off your sweatshirt because it is hot as Hades in Carneseca Arena, and most of all, you're watching a second straight loss by St. John's. Coach Anderson asked St. John's to press on dead balls early in the first half. They didn't. Xavier was grabbing offensive boards and gave themselves opportunities at close range over and over. Zach Fremantle and Jack Nungy were constantly mismatched throughout the first half on both sides of the ball, which led to easy baskets for the Musketeers as well as offensive rebounds. St. John's has been a great rebounding team all year. They have out-rebounded every single opponent that they have played this year until Wednesday night. There's coach speak about effort and being a team that's hungry and wants to win and wants to go after 50-50 balls, right? Often referred to in going after rebounds. St. John's did not have that hunger last night. They allowed Xavier to beat them in the paint. They allowed Xavier to win the second chance points battle. They allowed Xavier to bully them on the glass by 12 rebounds. St. John's got punked in the first half, and in the first few minutes of the second half, they continued to get rope-a-doped and embarrassed to the tune of an 18-point deficit, leaving St. John's to scramble and pray and hope for some miracle to somehow get it close. And you know what? They actually did make it close. Somehow, some way, by actually ramping up the intensity, by getting turnovers, by hitting some shots, they did get it close. And yet, when it mattered most, missed layups occurred, Bad shots occurred, questionable, questionable threes at the top of the arc by Andre Corbello occurred, and Xavier made the shots when they needed to, like they did all game, and put the game away by five points. The body language throughout the game was atrocious. The body language that we got to see in the huddles for St. John's was atrocious. They looked disinterested. They looked disconnected. They looked like they weren't listening to their head coach or didn't want to listen. Again, this is all normally things that we assume and we can pontificate about. And yet yesterday on Fox Sports 1, which I rushed home after the loss to watch the broadcast, to watch this all-access features, to see what the huddles were like, to see what the halftime speeches were like, to see the difference between Sean Miller and Mike Anderson's style. And my goodness, there's a difference. The difference is the size of the Atlantic Ocean. Anybody with ears who was listening would agree with that. There are very different ways to coach. There are very different ways to get your points across. There are very different ways to call plays, call sets, ask your team to do what you need them to do. Last night, we saw Sean Miller purposefully dictate what his team should do. He had screens and he had calls, and he had plays, and he had strategies on if St. John's did this, Xavier will do this. If they do X or they are in this position, you do this. They were ready for that. They practiced that. They implemented that. On the other side, Mike Anderson asked for movement. Mike Anderson had the team running weave. Mike Anderson had the team listening to platitudes 
and just general direction of toughness and going for rebounds. Meanwhile, a guy like Dylan Adaiwusu is the one telling his huddle that they need to box out, that they need to put a body on a guy. I thought last night was very illuminating in regards to how Mike Anderson coaches. I think that everybody saw a extreme difference in personalities, in styles, in methodology. And it's very hard not to say right now that there's a reason why one team is ranked 22 in the country, even with a first-year head coach in Sean Miller, and one team is 11-3 and and looks to be a team that lacks confidence right now, that lacks direction, and now goes into a game this weekend against Seton Hall on the road and really needs to get a win. So like I said, are you frustrated? Are you mad? Are you pissed off? Because you should be. Last night was not about losing. Last night was about showing that you could respond off of a loss, that you can punch back. How you respond off of losses tells a lot about your character. St. John's did not respond in the first half. They did not respond through half of the second half. Then they flipped the switch and turned it on at the second half of the second half. And then it's too little too late. So how many times are we going to keep saying the same things? It's frustrating. For fans, it's frustrating to go to the arena, have 4,300 fans with you, and watch that. It's even more frustrating to come home, rewatch the game until 2 o'clock in the morning like a sicko like me, and hear what's happening in the huddles. And I think there was a very obvious lack of leadership and direction from Coach Anderson to his players who were trying their best to get back in the game, but were not put in in the best position possible to succeed. Everything Xavier did in the first half came easy. They scored at will. Jack Nunji was not missing because he was getting high percentage looks. At one point, he was six for six. And besides that bank three at the top of the key, he was smart in how he positioned himself. Sule Boom was getting him the ball. Colby Jones was getting him the ball. And when you give up 48 points like St. John's did to Xavier, you're clearly doing something wrong. There was no defense played by St. John's yesterday. There was no energy. There was a lack of cohesion on the floor. There was no togetherness. Xavier was moving with a purpose while St. John's seemed out of sorts in the half court. On offense and on defense, they had no idea how to stop Xavier. They did not make them uncomfortable one time. Not once. Not once did Xavier have to work hard for a bucket. Your identity as a Mike Anderson coached team, the philosophy that Mike Anderson brought over from Arkansas from working with Nolan Richardson, was supposed to be based on defense. We have not seen good defense on a consistent basis from St. John's University in about two and a half years. They certainly have not played good defense this year, and they certainly did not play good defense last night against Xavier. There was a good amount of time yesterday in the first half where St. John's looked like they just didn't want to be there. They were not listening to coach on the sidelines. At one point, Coach Anderson said that he wanted a timeout when Xavier went on a 7-0 run. St. John's didn't hear him. It led to a miss by us on the other side. They scored. It was a 9-0 run, and Xavier went up 20-12. At 24-12, we couldn't get a rebound off of a miss. Three, Sule, boom, hits a three. It's a 16-0 run. It finally ended with 27-14, the score, 12-15 to go. And we go to a timeout, and what do we hear? Coach Anderson say, get off your heels. This is your house. What are the guys supposed to do to respond to that? They were getting beat on the boards at this point by more than double. Same for points in the paint with 11 minutes to go. Ball movement was easy by Xavier. At 33-19, Xavier was ahead. Nunji was 5-5 five of five from the floor with 11 points. 
David Jones gambled on a steal that led to an easy layup that followed a turnover by Andre Curbelo. And he tried to feed it into Joel Soriano. Another one, the next trip down, exact same thing. St. John's was turning the ball over and Xavier was making them pay. Every time St. John's got a little bit of momentum going in the first half, like when there was back-to-back steals and dunks by Omar Stanley and Montez Mathis that cut the deficit to 10, Xavier would get an offensive rebound and a tip-in. Momentum never occurred until late in the second half. St. John's missed a bunch of free throws last night. They did it in the first half. They did it in the second half. Posh Alexander towards the end of the first half. He gets a layup. The defense doesn't get set up. Sule Boom hits a wide open jumper at the free throw line that sends it to halftime. And St. John's is down by 11 points going into the break. And at halftime, if you are watching the All Access on Fox Sports, at halftime, Sean Miller is telling Zach Fremantle, don't worry, you've got an easy time. There's only small guys guarding you. And then Sean Miller said the killer line. Their press is a non-issue. Their press is a non-issue. That's sad to hear as a fan. And I know it's sad to hear as a St. John's player and a coaching staff who I'm sure would review it and listen back. And I don't think Sean Miller meant it in a negative way or a, or a disparaging way or in an offensive way. I think he was telling it to his team that, hey, this isn't something that we really got to worry about. This isn't something that you need to change our mindset or game plan for. And that's what's sad. We come out of the break. St. John's is looking disinterested in their huddles. The morale looks shot. Three minutes goes by in the second half. It's 54 to 39. Easy baskets continue in the paint by Zach Fremantle. There's nothing that we can do. You've got two giant guys in Fremantle and Nunji, you know, not typical post players, but guys who really know how to play inside, outside. And they made a concerted effort to beat St. John's with mismatches through them. With 13 minutes to go, Xavier has its largest lead of the game, 18 points, 63 to 45 it ends up being the largest deficit St. John's has faced so far this year. It's December 29th. We are talking about St. John's getting punked by a conference opponent on their own home court two months into the season. There's been plenty of times to work on stuff. There have been plenty of easy opponents to get right with. We all know that. And yet, here we are getting absolutely run off the floor in your own building. TJ Cleveland, after the game to John Minko and Brandon Tierney on the radio, said, we're not connected. We're still not connected somehow on flow, on offense, even on defense. We're still having some mishaps that we shouldn't have at this point in the season. I don't even blame the kids. I put it on us as a coaching staff. We have to do a better job in our preparation, offensively and defensively, to get us better. The Big East is just different. Hopefully tonight, losing at home, gives these players a sense of urgency that you have to play with. Thank you, TJ Cleveland. Thank you for saying that. Because I think a lot of fans have been looking for accountability from this staff all season after some shaky performances, even the wins. But why was this coming from TJ Cleveland and not Mike Anderson? Mike didn't say this in his press conference. And sure, TJ is speaking on behalf of the staff. But you really want to see this come from the head coach. As the head coach of a D1 major program you need to take accountability and you need to be the one that takes the arrows and the shrapnel and put it on yourself major props to kevin Connolly who transcribed that and let the fans in on that this afternoon 
As I mentioned, with about 10 minutes to go in the second half, St. John's kind of flips this switch. At 69-52 with 9 minutes to go, Xavier is up by 17 points. 28 field goals they have made, and 21 of those have been in the paint. Here's where the switch flips. Montez Mathis hits a three, a lane violation, and St. John's gets the ball back uh, on free throws. David Jones gets a layup. Curbelo steals the ball. Another layup. It's a 9-0 run really quickly. Xavier misses a shot, sends David Jones to the line on the other end, who misses the free throw, and Posh gets a rebound, and he gets the layup, and it's an 11-0 run. David Jones hits a three and cuts the lead to seven. But St. John's, again, could not get a rebound to save their life, and offensive rebounds led to Xavier always being able to get a point when it needed. 2.45 left. Mike Anderson is just screaming for the weave to occur, and it led to a few baskets, and there was a few times that St. John's couldn't get into their offense. Soriano tips it in, 80-74. to Curbelo misses a layup, which proved to be really pivotal. Joel couldn't secure a rebound. It goes the other way on a held ball call. It was 80-74 to with 139, and that really was the dagger. Xavier finds Jack Nunji on an easy cut for an easy dunk, and that was pretty much all she wrote. At the end of the game, it was super questionable. Andre Curbelo pulls up for the top of a key three that misses early in the shot clock. St. John's then wastes 17 seconds and doesn't foul. Sule Boom hits two free throws, puts Xavier ahead 84-76. to Jones hits a three on the way back, but it's all too little too late, as I said. Fans are leaving the arena, and St. John's loses. 84-79, to drops to 11-3, and 1-2 and in the conference. And to make matters worse, and I didn't notice this until I watched the game back, I didn't hear it as I was leaving, but don't worry, be happy, is playing over the loudspeakers. DJ, you can't do that. You gotta have a little bit of self-awareness, and you can't play a song like that when your team loses on its home court by five points to a conference rival. And so now what? What does a game like this do? What kind of a message does this send after being on a platform like this? A loss is bad enough. Not being competitive in the loss for the majority of the time is bad enough. Having a microscope over the coaching that's done during timeouts, how players are reacting to said coaching and direction. There's so much to be concerned about right now if you're a St. John's fan. And how do you fault the fans? Honestly, how can the fans be faulted right now for being dejected? I find it hard for anybody who is in attendance to be content with how the team has looked over the last few games. I find it hard for anybody who watched the All Access broadcast not to question the messages that were being sent by the head coach and if they are resonating with the players. Oftentimes, guys in the huddle looked disinterested, didn't look focused, and when plays were called out or directives to foul or call a timeout were made by the coach, they were either not heard or possibly ignored. Who knows? I admit that's a bit of nefarious thinking, but we got a firsthand look at how Mike Anderson ran his team yesterday, and it really wasn't effective. There were a lot of people watching that game last night, and St. John's did themselves no favors of trying to prove doubters wrong, trying to prove skeptics wrong, and that's a tough look. David Jones goes for 19 points, 10 rebounds. Joel Soriano, 14 points, 8 rebounds in a game where he had a tough assignment playing against Zach Fremantle and Jack Nungie. He did have three blocks, but oftentimes he was unable to really get going. Posh Alexander hit a three early on in the game, was really encouraging. Finished with 11 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, but 4 turnovers. I think he was still looking for the answer to his offensive game. 
Andre Curbelo had a really off night. Four points, two rebounds, seven assists, three turnovers on two of nine shooting. It was a rough game. Montez Mathis and Dylan Adaiwusu get a lot of credit. I think they played the best on the floor yesterday. 14 points for Montez Mathis. Dylan Adaiwusu chipped in with six points, four rebounds, three assists. He was there. I thought he was really great in the huddles, but there's still a lot of question marks. AJ Store only got to play 10 minutes. He scored four points, only played 10 minutes. Why is AJ Store only playing 10 minutes? He's got to play more. This offense needs him. Rafael Pinzon was not available. He has an illness. He did not play for the second straight game. Here's what we will start to wrap up with. Here's the reality of the situation. The season isn't over, even though we're upset and we're frustrated right now. You are still 11-3 and and 1-2 and in the Big East. The season isn't over. It might feel like it. It might feel like it, and you might be really in your feelings and upset, but the season isn't over. You got Seton Hall at the Prudential Center in a few days on December 31st. You have to win that game. Seton Hall is not a good team right now. They are reeling. They will likely be without Alexis Yetna again. St. John's has the advantage in that game. St. John's is a more talented team than Seton Hall. They turn the ball over a ton. They can't hit the three. You have to win that game on the road. You have to. You absolutely have to win on December 31st against Seton Hall on the road. Get to 2-2 two and two in the Big East. Then you're playing Marquette on January 3rd. You're going on the road at Providence on January 7th. Butler on January 10th. You need a few wins here in the next four. Seton Hall is a winnable game. Marquette's a good team. That's a curious and interesting matchup in style. I think at Providence is a winnable game. And Butler at home is a winnable game. You have to find a way to win. Start making people believe in you. Mike Anderson, you have to do a better job of getting this team prepared for these Big East games. St. John's cannot continue to perform the way that it did last night through about 30 minutes of game action the rest of the way. It's not acceptable. You as a head coach have to let them know that it's unacceptable. You have to put them in the best position possible to win the damn game. Go out and beat Seton Hall at the Prudential Center on Saturday. Get your confidence back. Learn what it's like to win again. That Florida State win... Feels like a long time ago right now. The season isn't over, but you have to get back in the win column. And it has to happen on Saturday, December 31st. I'll be at the game this weekend as St. John's takes on Seton Hall at the Prudential Center at noon on December 31st. Hope to see a lot of red there. Make the trip over the bridge and hopefully we can watch St. John's win. I know you're frustrated. I know you're upset. I think you deserve to be and you have the right to be. But listen... It is December 29th. We have to find a way to right this ship. It is on the coaching staff to right this ship. It's about some of these players stepping up and being leaders and righting the ship. We have to figure it out. You cannot let 10 wins in the non-conference go by the wayside. You cannot miss another NCAA tournament. You have a talented, older team this year. Do not let it all go to waste. Let's see how St. John's bounces back after this 84-79 loss to Xavier. We'll see how they punch back on December 31st against their rival, the Seton Hall Pirates. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Eye on the Storm podcast. Go Johnnies!